Welcome to another VRL USA podcast. This one is uh, the two of us. I'm here in rainy Central California. We're not complaining. Um, and I'm here um, with Sid, who is in Northern Virginia. Good evening. Good evening. And sometimes, sometimes back in the day, you all would have killed for it to be raining. So oh, exactly. So I mean, we're not complaining. This is supposed to be the last, the last big, you know, the last real storm we get for a while. So we're we're not complaining. Right? Mm-hmm. Not worried about it. Um, of course, we're not here to talk about the weather in California. We're here to talk about this uh, story that broke um, middle of the week in in Marca, I guess. Um, although it was picked up by other other places, I'm not sure if they were the first ones that broke it. Um, about an alleged uh, attempt to rig the Hitafe Virial match, which was the last one of the last season. Um, to put it into perspective, Hitafe needed to win and needed Valencia to not win in order to um, make the um, Champions League. And the way it worked out was Valencia ended up winning and um, Hatafe ended up drawing 2-2, although even if they had won against us since Valencia won, they still would have finished fifth. So you've read the reports and you want to talk a little bit about kind of Spain's history of this kind of thing and what we think might be going on? Sure. And again, hope all of the listeners out there staying safe and it looks like on some fronts, and maybe we could talk a little bit about the Bundesliga and opening up. Yeah. Um, but depending on where you live, hopefully, um, it's looking looking a little bit brighter on the public health front. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so and and um, you know, I I don't have sort of the 50 year historical background on La Liga, um, but definitely. The concept of you know, what they term as primas or sort of paying a team who may otherwise not be as motivated um, is is something that always gets talked about. I feel like every season when you get down to the last few matches. Um, so in this case, you know, as between Hitafe and Valencia, and to be fully precise, Alan, they were tied on points. But Valencia owned the tiebreaker, I think, based on the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. So Hetafe needed to better Valencia's result um, right. on the last match day. And, you know, the league has done some things. And I, you know, recall from a time when they used to maintain the normal scheduling through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think they realized that, you know, if we have, if you have matches that sort of affect each other or the, where the results are dependent on each other, you want to play them simultaneously. Right. So over some number of years now, the league has moved the schedule accordingly. Um, and, you know, the, I think even within the past decade, there are two sort of pretty notable situations VRL has been involved with um, mm-hmm. regarding somewhat questionable circumstances uh one was obviously when we went down and this game between rio and granada where obviously there were a number of teams involved in the relegation battle but there was a whole mess of different results that could have sort of been an issue Mm -hmm. um and 
you know, goal was scored in offside, but I think there were, there were further allegations as well that sort of Granada in this case, that 1-1 that it ended up being, if we had managed to get a point against Atletico, which we nearly did in the last minute from Marco Ruben, mm-hmm. Granada would have been going down instead. And so right. sort of a lot of suspicion there about the fact that that Rayo goal went in the way it did and the timing it did when Granada had to lead the whole game. Right. Um, and that would have meant that Rayo went down. So that was one occasion. And then, of course, um, and really one of the things that I think ultimately led to Marcelino's downfall in Villarreal, um, even if not immediately, was his sort of discussions of his love for Sporting Gijon mm-hmm. prior to us going and playing a completely meaningless match for us, but one mm-hmm. on which they depended for survival. Mm-hmm. And we sort of sent out, you know, we had given, and of course, if you're in a, a position of safety, you're entitled to do some of these things. But it was just the nature of the comments and then the way it played out. You know, we played a mostly B team. And I think I recalled that Leo Baptistao was sort of one of the limited players who really seemed plugged in that match. Mm-hmm. And I recall that he was subbed at halftime. Right. And we sort of sonambulated through the second half. I, I think we lost something like 3-0, and it was not it was not a scoreline that Sporting no. was getting much of that season. Um, right, and, and in fact, I recall that even the even in the week leading up to that, we didn't have our usual practices either. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's right. I think that, we canceled three days of sessions, yeah, which, of yeah. course, for Marcelino particularly, that was kind of wacky. Um yeah, uh, that something like that would happen. So, so we have experience, unfortunately. Again, I, I, I wouldn't allege that there was any particular wrongdoing there. And when you're in the situation that the match doesn't matter to you, you, uh, you've earned the right and on some level that, uh, you don't have to mm-hmm. treat it the same way. But again, it is, it is a sporting event. Um, right. And, and so it did seem like, <laughs> Sort of, there weren't the same, uh, questions being asked of the Hitafe match. I think the logical result you would have expected was Hitafe obviously was much better than us last season. Um, mm-hmm. at home playing a team that had already sealed survival. Mm-hmm. I think you could have reasonably expected they would have won that match. Um, yeah. my recollection watching it at the time was I was I mean, I was pleasantly surprised because I think all of us going into it were thinking, I mean, we had, we had saved our bacon or I guess ham, I should say in Spain, um, the week before because we had beaten a bar. We were, we were going to be in the Primera for another year. Um, so we didn't really have anything to play for. We, if you look at the lineup, we had a bunch of players who didn't, you know, Danny Raba, for example, um, was uh, started in that game. We had a bunch of players who didn't really feature that much for us. And so, you know, I thought watching the game, I remember that early on we sputtered. Um, our defense was bad, but then our defense was generally bad last year. Um, we ended up getting a draw 
courtesy of a Gerard goal with like three minutes to go, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I, it's not the sort of result that, I mean, first of all, if, if these guys were planning to pay Villarreal to throw the game, well, we didn't. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of makes it seem questionable to me. Um, yeah, course. and then and then I think the other thing, and I was was getting to this through that history, is also that you know the the history of the primas would clearly have made it that Hetafe paying via Dolid yeah. would have been sort of what you would have expected in terms of if there were any money. And, and, and again, I couldn't tell you because I don't have the history, and also, frankly, for the life of me, I would never be able to explain or understand it. But this seems to be something that is a thing that seems to be somewhat accepted, well, which is that it, this, you know, and, and yeah, at least yeah. I, I suppose the idea is that you are encouraging teams to play as opposed to to not play. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, like, you know, I, I I think people even know that it happens and it still strikes me as strange, but it seems to be something that is more broadly accepted. Well, traditionally, it's the it's the suitcase, right? It's the matelas, maletines, yes, yes, that's that is filled with uh, you know nice quality Spanish ham and cigars and things like that. You know, that's the that's the traditional incentive for for people. Um, the thing that's weird about this whole setup is that um, the two guys that were caught mostly that are supposed to be the ringleaders of this thing, Aranda and the Escobar, um, last May, I mean, immediately after the last games of the season, there was, um, is when the Oikos Pro broke, and it broke in part with um, talking to, there was a, a player for Valladolid, whose name escapes me now, but who was, I think, going to be retiring anyway, right? Yeah, and, I think Borja Fernandez. Yeah, and so the idea was that they were actually that this group was actually paying um, Valladolid to lose, not to win. That they had a, they had a bet on that Valladolid would lose each half, which I believe is exactly what happened. Um, so it doesn't. And then, if this is true, then you know, then they're working with a player from Hatafe to ensure that Hatafe wins. But the whole thing doesn't really make sense because if Atafe wins and Valencia win, it doesn't do Atafe any good. Right? So, I mean, the whole, that, that part of it, I don't get at all. I just, you know, it, it, it either seems like the game that isn't shooting straight or people are double crossing each other or the whole thing just is made up. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, again, at some point, right, you have to assure one part of the result to get the other. Uh, and so, you know, you don't, you don't know, right, if the one thing was happening, but the other was happening through the Malatines, and that part of the story hasn't come out. And again, I'd say that part of the story probably is, would be less surprising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, that would almost be a ho-hum kind of thing. Oh, they paid them because Valladolid wouldn't have been motivated, and Hitafe needed that result to happen kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I don't think that's that. I mean, I don't think that is that unusual. I remember in the um, in England in the lower divisions where you would be dealing with, you know, there would always be this fixture buildup because so many they they would try to play through the winter and there would always be 
games that got postponed. And you would end up the last couple of weeks of the season and you have a bunch of these, you know, well, Division Two it is now, but it used to be Division Three and Four matches. And this happened all the time. You know, you knew that here's a team that's like five points from safety with three matches to go, and they managed to get there because they're playing teams that could care less. <laughs> they're already on summer holiday mentally. And that's okay. You know, maybe it shouldn't be, but that seems to be the way that that's, that that's been. This is, to me, reading this, this transcript, the guy I would be worried, uh, worried if I read it was Molina, because if he's actually, it, it, the problem is, and you as an attorney can certainly comment on this, is that they're talking about secondhand and thirdhand things, right? They're, these two guys are talking and saying, yeah, we talked to Molina. Oh, Molina said this. We have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, Aranda, former Villarreal player, um, there was this discussion about Tena, who was in our, um, who's a juvenile coach. Right. They're, they're seeing, so. <laughs> You know, I suppose there's some sourcing around it which could make sense. Um, but again, the, the allegation that was made, right, was that this two million was paid to seven players. Um, you know, I think one thing that was noted was it would have been a little bit hard to come up with the seven players based on the lineup we ended up playing. Yeah. (laughs) In the sense that uh, I don't know that you necessarily needed to pay off Javi Fuego to get a Javi Fuego performance, um, right. Right. or or otherwise. So yeah. yeah, so so those those are those are some questions. Um, yeah, you know, but I think I think the bigger concern we all have, of course, is just sort of you know not 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 wanting the uh, club associated with those kinds of behaviors. And again, I would say that the two other situations we're talking about obviously were very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that sort of this story has been around three times now in the past decade certainly is a little bit troublesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do understand why the club sort of tried to get out in front of this uh, immediately. Um, yeah. I mean, what what would, from your perspective, what would you feel like you needed to see to to be able to, you know, again, without further evidence, like you say, I think it would be hard to to come to the conclusion. Oh, this definitely happened. Yeah. What do you feel like you would need to see though that would change your mind? Well, frankly, as, as I wrote in the on the blog, I mean, I'm really unclear if these guys, you know. Let's say that there was an agreement to pay $2 million to seven players. If those players, <laughs> I would have thought that the, the agreement would be that you'll get that money after you give the results that we want. Um, if you paid it up front, then there ought to be some sort of ledge, there ought to be some sort of trail. I mean, I guess as a, as an ex banker and an accountant, I kind of like follow the money. So I think what would make me believe the story would be if if we could follow the money and see that it went somewhere you know i just i mean football matches are not things that are easy to, i mean you can 
you can throw them and it's difficult to look at, at it later and say, oh yeah, this match was definitely thrown or whatever, because I mean, players make mistakes anyway. Um, the Zaragoza, um, Levante match that was the focus of, of, a of a, the, the last betting probe, you know, you watch the, the tape of it and it's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to convince yourself that, yeah, these guys aren't doing what they normally do. I don't know. I guess what would make me feel as if the, uh, as if the investigation had some legs to it would be if they, um, got Molina's phone and, and Tina's phone and see some interesting things, but particularly if, if there's money involved. If, if it turns out that the agreement was we're going to pay you after you, after, um, Hitafe wins and Hitafe didn't win, well, then that's kind of I don't think there's much to do. I mean, it, it seems to me that from a club standpoint, the, the best argument they can make, the best defense they can make is, well, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and it's, and I don't know, you know, I know. Um, yeah. And, you know, the only, the only thing I can think of is based on sort of the timeline of it. Yeah. And again, I'm not by, by no means am I imputing anything here, but I'd say the one thing that might be said is, well, that was what was on, you know, online to happen. And then everybody realized Valencia was not going to give up their two goal lead and viable lead. And so, well, whammo, you had a late goal here kind of thing. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it's not as surprising if it's sort of, you know, so based on, well, you know, they needed to lose and they didn't lose. Um, yeah. I just wonder if the circumstances get further looked at and then said, well, they were losing when, uh, this parlay, you know, maybe could have had some impact or, or whatever. I, it yeah, is. I don't know. I just, to me, it's like, I, I'm sure they can look. I know La Liga investigates betting patterns and everything. And so I'm sure mm-hmm. they do. If it turns out that the, that the fixers decided to change the thing in midstream is, oh, well, let's just go for a draw then. That's okay. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, to me, it just seems strange that you would accuse a team of, or players on a team, I should say, not the team. You would accuse players on a team of being bought to produce a result that they didn't in fact produce. That, mm-hmm. that's the fundamental problem. I, I have with this is that it doesn't make sense to me given that we didn't play like a team that had nothing to play for that day, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I think if you, I think if you watch the game, yeah, um, Funes Mori had a couple of adventures, but when did he not have a few? Right. You know, I just don't, you know, we had a pairing of Funes Mori and Alvaro and they were kind of problematic all season. And so they were again. I mean, if, if it had been a case, I think one of them, I think Alvaro, somebody got a yellow card very early in the game. If it had been a case of that person then getting a second yellow and getting sent off in the first half, that's the kind of thing that would make me wonder. But not playing 90 minutes and coming back for a 2-2 draw. You know, mm-hmm. naive, but it doesn't. To me, it's like I would if if I were trying to look at matches and figure out well which ones do I think might be fixed. I mean, there are far more strange situations that have happened than than this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, <laughs> part of it, right, is they couldn't have been that good at what they were doing because they got busted. 
So, <laughs> yeah. well, I'll just say that's the other thing is, is, you know, this is these guys. Um, and I guess they knew each other from Elche and supposedly that's when they might have known Tina. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think, you know, mm-hmm. these guys evidently, um, yeah, they got busted. Their WhatsApp conversation, um, <laughs> Uh, leaked out. I think the the thing that that you and I aren't really equipped to deal with, and I wish we had Raul here because he could maybe explain it a little better. But the other questions that come up about this are the the timing of it and the leaking of it, because you know, in a normal state of affairs, this type of phone transcript doesn't get leaked to the press. Somebody did that in this case, and clearly with a with an agenda in mind. I'm not sure what that is. I know Raul has mentioned some um, upheaval in the Spanish Players Union that he thinks that somehow might connect to, you know, why Mars, why, why, why this paper, why now? You know, I don't know. That's, that's the other thing. It's, as we know, historically, it's, it's difficult or impossible to really get convictions for this sort of thing in Spain. Um, I mean, the, the Zaragoza-Levante match, which seemed a far more suitable candidate for finding people guilty. The, basically, everybody said, oh, we, yeah, we found we found money in a bag. We don't know why we got it. <laughs> Wasn't that um, the, the Zar- one of the coaches that basically was like, yeah, I cashed this check. I don't know why. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, yeah, it's it's not I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think from a club standpoint, I. They definitely hit hard, hit back at it very hard, um, which makes me think that I hope that before they did that, they talked to Tina and had some belief that this whole thing was completely untrue. Because, you know, I think it would be really bad if the if then later on we find out there's that there was something that the club didn't know when they made such a strong statement. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. The immediate strong denial either means eh, <laughs> there's something there, or it really does mean that there's nothing. And like you, certainly, certainly yeah. hoping that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I also thought it was it was interesting in in all of this. Um, <laughs> Jorge Molina now has been. Uh, a thorn in our side for various years. You may recall that he was at Poliahito when they knocked us out of the Copa del Rey. So, yes. Okay. Yes. So he he continues uh, to to bother us to this day. Yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course, yeah. And and Jorge Molina, of course, you know, in the sort of sport and things, he you know that partnership of him and Jaime Mata. Those older guys, you know, after many years sort of toiling their way through coming good. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the big stories of last season. Right. Um, And Bordeaux. So so certainly, certainly that would be disappointing if he were the guy who was the, yeah, masterminding this in some manner from the player's side. Yeah. I don't know. I just wonder, as you said, these guys didn't seem to be the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. Mm -hmm. I I just wonder if what we're listening to is basically, I mean, I can see a scenario where, you know, the, 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 the telephone conversation says, yeah, these, yeah, one guy, Escobar talked to Molina. Molina said this. Escobar tells Aranda this. 
and they proceed. And basically, Molina's attitude is, oh, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to be involved with this, but you know, he basically just says, "Oh yeah, sure, yeah, give me two million dollars, I'll pay you." I mean, who knows? I mean, nothing. Maybe nothing actually happened, and it's just it's just people double crossing each other. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I mean, in in my mind, the strongest thing, as you say, that goes for this is is a big parlay to me. Um, one knowing that the result for Hitafe was not sufficient by itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, but two, I'm going to be honest, like, <laughs> was that the match you really would have felt like you needed to pay somebody? Yeah. <laughs> Hitafe needs to win great at home all year. VRL just poor, poor yeah. the whole season, particularly away from home. Yeah. Um, and, and nothing to play for. <laughs> and we're playing hobby Fuego for going to say. Yeah. So, so, you know, you sort of look at some of those factors and you're looking at it during the week and being like, oh, man, they didn't bother training until Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it is. Like, I'm not too sure that I would have been <laughs> thinking about spending a couple million bucks on that match if I were trying to buy something. So right. to me, that was the one that it just seemed strange that it would have been the last match of the year. You know, I I would have been more inclined to say, okay, there's some logic to that if you're telling me, you know, four or five matches earlier with yeah. one of those teams that sort of had gotten to 40-42 and was just sitting around. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they don't want to mail it in a month early, so maybe it makes sense that you'd have to kick in some bucks for them to 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 not not play as hard or or whatever it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't want to be that cynical, but the reality is you're probably right. I mean, there 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 are plenty of matches that are fairly meaningless to one side and not to the other. Frequently when we watch the match, we can see that and you don't know if there's anything going on behind the scenes or not. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. but you don't know. Yeah. Well, and and I think, you know, not to go too far afield, but I think that the extensive nature of what they found in tennis certainly makes you a little bit more skeptical at, at mm-hmm. high level sports. Um, right. Right. So that, that maybe is for another day with Zach on as well. Cause I'd be curious as to his take, but I mean, so, so, yeah. you know, sort of ruthlessly coordinated again, I think the somewhat bumbling nature of the people who seems to have been in, involved here. Uh, is some saving grace on sort of believing these allegations. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think the only, the only thing that would make me really sit up and take notice would be if, if there is a paper trail found of money going to somebody and I just, I, I think, but we'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened. I, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, um, think, but I think <laughs> in any event, your best defense against being, you know, if somebody says, well, I, you know, I bribed somebody to throw a game, your best defense is, well, we didn't throw it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really right. what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So did you watch any of the Bundesliga this weekend with the no fans and everything? I, I can't say I did. I struggled with this one a little bit. I think I made a decision that I was not interested in, in sort of, uh, though, though I certainly do miss football. I was not interested quite in, uh, 
going going to that extreme. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I know that uh, we may have some differing views on the site about what we think about about the sport. Now, I can tell you from my perspective. I'd love to hear yours as well. Um, but you know, I think this goes in the U.S. to one of these issues we've been grappling with with college athletics as well mm-hmm. about sort of you know players' rights, um, players' values. And mm-hmm. I do feel like, for example, you have in Spain, you know, Elche kind of saying, look, you know, as, as a team, we really don't think that things are safe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose you can add a couple more layers to that. One of which is we all know sort of the levels to which healthcare workers have been lacking PPE mm-hmm. to think of the idea that these guys are sort of receiving so many tests so frequently um, and that this is going to continue for any number of weeks sure makes it seem like those things, you know, maybe could be used better for senior care homes or schools or hospitals or otherwise, um, yeah. even if it's not a zero-sum game. So I think my, my sort of feeling is just societally, while the break maybe of a couple hours of a match might be something, um, it doesn't, doesn't seem like we're at the place that, uh, that we're ready for this yet. Yeah, I don't, I certainly in this country we're not. I think in Spain, um, it, it does seem to me, I have the same issues that you do with feeling um, feeling that you've got a fairly limited um, uh, asset, whether, you know, in this case, testing, really, and you're prioritizing that for for players and for staff for, for matches. Um, to me, I think the hardest thing I find about it is that while you can say, as Senior Reich has said, that, um, you know, if you don't feel comfortable playing, we're not going to make you play. <laughs> That's kind of easy to say when the, when the, the power between owners and players is not exactly equal. Um, I'm, you know, I, I didn't watch any of the Bundesliga matches. But that's partly because I don't watch the Bundesliga much anyway. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch this with no crowds out of the novelty and compare it to the Bundesliga matches I saw earlier this season because I didn't see any. Um, so, you know, so for me, skipping the Bundesliga was fairly easy. You know, if Virial starts up again, if La Liga starts up again, I think that's a different then in my mind the 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 decision is different because i have an attachment to the club and if the club is playing i want to look at how they're doing right and it's and so i don't know i mean that's i think if i think if the situation in spain continues to improve such that by the time that they want to start up again the um most of the Areas will be in phase three or whatever they're phase two, phase three, whatever they're calling it. Then I think I would feel a lot better. It does feel right now as if 
in some areas the um, there still is not enough um, PPE. There still is not enough testing. There's not enough tracing that they can open it up. And so that's where I have a problem with with starting the league up again. Mm-hmm. Well, and in Germany they're having somewhat of a relapse. So so you mm-hmm. know right at the same time that they're doing this. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I you know I suppose one of the big things that this gets into is again something that that Senor Roy just this discussed, which is kind of we can't just leave the TV contract on the table and right. expect that we can come back next year and have everything look the same as it does now. Well, that's right, and Senor Roy is is very. Um has said, you know, it's very, very clear about that as, as other people have been too. I mean, and it's not just the TV contract. It's also, I assume, um, you know, shirt sponsors and things like that are presumably going to want some sort of rebate if only two thirds of the season gets played. And, you know, so I understand that. I, I guess I, you know, we always wrestle with the issue on a personal level of our attachment to the sport versus the attachment of the sport to money, or maybe I should say the attachment of money to the sport. You know, we, I, you know, these issues are, are you going to watch the World Cup in Qatar? Are you going to, did you watch the World Cup in Russia? What, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of moral dilemmas out, out in the football world these days, and this is just another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. And, you know, yeah, but, but like you said, you know, even, I, I certainly would follow a match on, you know, Radio Villarreal, even, even if I'm not watching it. Right. But as you say, if I know that my sort of putting my eyeball dollars on the match is going to contribute to the league and the club sort of, you know, maintaining financial viability. Then, like like you said, maybe that becomes more of a thing that we feel mm-hmm. like we need to do it, um, and and as you say, are contributing in this sort of money machine um, that that is the league. Yeah, and I, I have to say too that from I'm sure this is much different from a from a standpoint of an overseas fan as compared to um, a fan in in Spain or particularly Villarreal, because of course in there, I mean, you're, you know, there's, there's much more of a game experience with the, with the TV. Um, here, when we watch a game on being sport, I mean, we basically are getting, we get some crowd shots and we get some noise, but we don't get very much. And we, we get the camera panning around the crowd before the game starts. But once the game starts, it's pretty much focused on the pitch. So, you know, I almost feel like if I put the frequently what I've done is, is put the put the TV on on mute and play and play um, Avi Mata's call on Radio Villarreal. And frankly, if I do those two things, I'm not sure it will feel that much different for me. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean because the crowd it doesn't enter into it so much albeit as a background for the radio call. But, you know, I'm going to trust Javi to yell goal 50 times if he needs to. <laughs> you know, he's, he's pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I don't know. I think I think the thing that's, I think, though, it's a very, um, it's a very 
uh, slippery restart because, as I understand it, you know they've, they've tested everybody in the Bundesliga before this match. They'll be testing them in another couple of days. You know, it, this whole thing could end really quickly if there are a few more positives that weren't there on the weekend. Because That's at that, right. Because at that point, then everybody that they played against and played with is considered exposed and has to go into quarantine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, gosh, the collateral effects of all of those things, the other teams that they've played against in the recent time, and, you know, if everybody is sort of being housed centrally or, you know, depending on how all of these things actually work out, because, you know, I don't know that we even know that stuff yet. I think there's a there's a thought that the matches are going to be played where they were to be played. But then again, I don't I don't know that that's the case because you have a whole bunch of travel associated with it. So I don't know that any of those details sort of have been fully ironed out. Right. I think the only thing we know for sure is that the Bernabeu won't be used because they've taken advantage of the closure to right to do their renovations. Yeah, renovations. So, so Real Madrid would be playing at their at their training ground basically, or or their the whatever the place is where where their B team plays. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but no. and again, not even to go too deep into this, but I think there was there's a whole discussion though. Are they actually gonna? If they're trying to play matches every day of the week, is that even feasible that yeah. the 20 teams are in their 20 different places and everybody's moving around on this, you know, relatively quick time frame? And who yeah. is, who is managing that travel? Right. I, and I know at one point it was considered, I don't, I mean, I guess Raul said fairly seriously of taking all the teams to the Canary Islands and um, and playing matches there, which I think would be, you know, that has its own set of difficulties. But if you right now, I mean, Barcelona and Madrid haven't come out of phase zero. Those are the areas that still have the most um, cases and have the. I guess least provision. They haven't been able to to meet the the criteria to to get out of phase zero. So if that continues, then I can't imagine that they could host home matches there. And so where do you where do you take you know Atleti and and uh, Real Madrid? Where do you take Leganes and Hatafe? And where do you take um, Espanol and Barcelona? I mean they they'll have to find somewhere to play. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and of course the fact that it's not, um, that it's not, that you don't have to have fans there means that the, the size of the stadiums and everything doesn't really matter. So maybe you come into some Segunda stadiums and you, and you play there. You know, maybe we end up with, uh, a team playing up in, in, uh, Numancia or, <laughs> or Wesca or something, but you know, that, that, if they had to base themselves there, that might be a better place to do it. Villarreal are a little, probably in a little better shape than many because they have their own little team hotel by the ground, right? That they, that they moved into a couple of years ago. So they, the team hotel is basically at the B team ground, I think. Yeah, I think they, they built that complex sort of to, to house everything. But so anyway, so so your position currently is if they do play La Liga matches, you are going to watch. 
Yeah, I'll at least watch Villarreal's, but as I say, I probably will listen to it with the TV on on mute, I suspect. Might give me more of the but yeah, I think I would watch Villarreal's because I care enough I I care enough about the team that I would still feel like I need to support them, even though I'm not <laughs> totally on board with the whole thing. I feel like if they're playing, I need to be there to support them. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the hard time for me is going to be actually realizing that these matches count. Yeah. I think because I think that's going to be the thing that you sort of see this and okay they're playing this you know somewhat strange schedule in these empty stadiums and and yeah. there's been a long layoff like okay I'm watching a preseason match so yeah there's another one in three days and right. <laughs> everybody's just trying to regain form so I think yeah, that's well, going to be the, way you the, have the jarring part yeah, yeah exactly yeah. is that. Yeah, it's, again, thankfully, goodness, I can't imagine for the teams that are sort of battling relegation here, you've just been pulled out of that situation and all of a sudden again, you're in this pressure cooker and boy, yeah. you know, particularly this year, a team that goes down, you, you yeah. know, you'd seriously, seriously have to be concerned about that team's long-term sort of viability. Yeah. Um, so very, very thankful that we're not in that situation um, right. unless something crazy happens. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be I think the tough part is going to be as we get to the, you know, assuming we start up and assuming we're able to continue and there's no major, there's no, you know, disasters that happen that make us stop. You know, that final three or four rounds of games gets exactly into what we were talking about earlier, that. You know, what if, you know, Villarreal is basically, you know, we're not going to qualify for Europe, for Europe. We're not going to go down. I mean, those are the games that gets hard to say, well, okay, I guess I really care about watching us play, you know, whoever it is. Um, if, if they don't have anything to play for either, it's going to be those dead rubbers that are going to be really hard if, if we end up in a, in a situation with no fans and, and playing every three days with five subs, that's really going to feel like a preseason match, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to say the flip side of it is what we're seeing in the English lower divisions where my my beloved Port Vale are finishing one point away from the promotion playoffs with mm-hmm. 11 games to play or whatever it is, and they're eight maybe, and they don't get to, you know, they don't get to have a chance to do that. And probably if you look on form over the last month or two of the season, they might do it, but you know, so, I mean, I think completing, completing it, if you feel you can complete it is, I, I get the rationale for doing that from a sporting view too. I just, my big issue is, are the players going to be safe in doing it? Yes. Because I mean, again, God forbid something does happen to one of them. I mean, it's just, will be will be on so many people's conscience that uh right, right. You know, this, that this was this really necessary and again of course you're talking about even in the event something does happen that these are you know extremely physically fit athletes so the likelihood of you know it being a serious complication but that said you know in some ways it almost seems like you're tempting things a little bit um mm-hmm. by by you know, risking going into this at all before uh, right. before things may be fully ready. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I would say that we've, you know, there have been a number of players who have tested positive in, in various European leagues. And as far as I know, they've all been minor cases and they've recovered pretty well. So that's, so that's good. I just worry about the players that, you know, I mean, Manu Trigueros got married last year, you know, has a, he and his wife have a small child, you know, is it, is what, you know, what happens, God forbid, if he tests positive and, 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 you know, and you've got players who live with their parents, um, some of the young players, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. And I, and is, is bringing football back really worth it? I think that's the, Thing we all have to wrestle with. So, mm-hmm. you know. and and again, you know, that potentially depending on how this is done, that people are going to be away from their families for some extended period of time. Yeah. And then after they do that, like you said, on the back end, presumably they're going to have to be away from their families for some time longer. Right. Um, to ensure that things are safe. So. Right. Yeah, and of course this is a thing that that um, you know, I mean American sports are dealing with this too. You know, baseball has published this idea they want to get half a basically a half season in and have all these rules about you know no spitting and no <laughs> none of this and it's like yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, but you know it, it is really a, a tough one, and particularly for something like football, where it, where it's a contact sport. A couple of people pointed out the sort of absurdity of having um, people sitting, the, the substitutes, I guess, sitting, you know, perfectly um, distanced with masks on. And then the minute that they come into the game, they're challenging for a header with somebody <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in close quarters. I mean, it does seem, yeah, there, there is there is that, um, you know, so I don't know. It's these are interesting times. And, yep. Yep. and I, well. And, and, you know, I do think one thing La Liga will benefit from is there will get some data. And mm. so I suppose we'll see. Gosh, again, hoping it's not the case, but if in two weeks they are finding a spike in issues in Bundesliga players, I suppose that does make it possible that maybe it doesn't, uh, restart. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's quite possible. Um, I think everybody has their fingers crossed and, and is hoping that that things work out for the best, but we don't know. It just seems like a very fragile recovery. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of how how the country as a whole is doing better, it's just it, it's it's really difficult. And uh, you know, I think all we can do is just um, we hope that our guys are able to get back on the pitch in good health and remain that way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, anyway, so I guess that's probably a good place to, to end up, um, for tonight. But thank you for joining me again. And, uh, as always, whether we have fans in the ground or not, in Devon Vareal.